Petonomics. Today we have a special two-part episode featuring Dr. Hemant Thange. He is a practicing veterinary doctor with a clinic in Thane and in this episode we are going to cover the essentials of pet care and maintenance. We are going to discuss the different facets of pet care that are essential to your pet's satisfactory biological needs and existence. So please welcome Dr. Hemant Thange. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so I've been practicing uh, for the past uh, 10 years. Since 2012, uh, I have started my own uh, practice. Uh, it's called Petwits. It's based in Thane, basically. Uh, and also uh, me and my wife, uh, we are running an NGO called Pet Owners and Animal Lovers for the uh, street and rescue animals. Could you tell us what inspired you to choose veterinary sciences or become a vet doctor? Uh, basically, uh, when I was a kid, I mean, I always wanted to have pets at home. Uh, but then uh, my parents being like, you know, not uh, uh, interacted with any kind of animal before, they were very reluctant uh, to get one at home. And uh, basically, the uh, you know, in, uh, it's it's like a every child's uh, dream to have a pet and you know uh, interact with different different kinds of animals. Uh, but then, uh, uh, when I passed my 12th standard, it normally like you know parents want their kid to go for either uh, engineering or MBBS. So that was the same case with my parents also. So they wanted me to try for uh, human uh, MBBS side, but uh, I, I did get into uh, college uh, of uh, homeopathy, but then uh, I did that for a month and uh, I had also applied for the veterinary sciences and uh, Luckily, after a month, I got a call from the admissions uh, in veterinary science and I jumped on it. And uh, then uh, slowly, slowly, as I got into it, I became passionate about all kinds of animals. Yeah, it can be great to work with animals on your day-to-day right. basis. You work with animals on a daily basis at your clinic and you also have an NGO. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so when uh, I started my own practice uh, independently in 2012, uh, I met my wife for the first time at that time and uh, she had an initiative uh, called Pet Owners and Animal Lovers, uh, but that was uh, at quite a nascent stage at that time and along with her then I started treating street dogs and rescue cases and um, dealing with all kinds of uh, ownerless animals including dogs, cats, uh, large animals, uh, birds. So that's when the NGO side started developing. So that's how it began. I'm glad that there are vets out there who are putting efforts not just on the clinic and business side, but also putting in efforts to help animals through non-government organizations. I think that's a really great way for you to express your love for animals. Could you tell us something about what new pet parents should be aware of? Because even when I got my dog and even my cat before that, I was completely clueless about what to expect. And there were very few sources 
of information telling me what I should expect of them. So could you tell us a little bit about what we should be aware of before getting a pet and as we get a pet? Uh, so when uh, actually people do decide to get a companion animal, they are just aware that, okay, pets are great, great source of, uh, you know, um, companionship and, you know, they are de-stressing. There are various benefits as we might all aware of it, like, you know, uh, mentally as well as uh, physically, there are so many benefits of having uh, companion animals with us. But uh, that's that. I mean, people are not aware beyond that what needs to be done or uh, for that matter, how to choose a, a pet for themselves and what to look for uh, and where to look for and what not to look for. So, uh, but then unfortunately, I come in the picture when they already get a pet and they somehow find about me then they bring their pet for the first health checkup that's when my first interaction begins with a pet either that is a puppy or a big dog or you know a cat or kitten uh, doesn't matter so when uh, people ask me about uh, what kind of care is needed and what all things need to be done uh, to you know uh, keep a healthy relationship between uh, family and pets. So we start by going through the basics, like when when they adopt a pet, it is normally one and a half month to two months old, and it lands on their door. And uh, when they come for first asking for what to feed a pet. So actually there are like three, four important things that I explain to them normally, things like, hygiene, deworming, then vaccination, and then diet. If Even if we begin with these four things are quite an important part in a pet's life to make it a healthy and happier life. It's essential to them being healthy, happy, and satisfied with right. their life, right? And I think sometimes we forget that animals are living creatures with their own mm -hmm. needs outside of our expectations of them being cute or being... Uh, whatever reason we got right. them for. So when we like talk about the dogs, when they bring the pet at the age of say one and a half to two months, people often ask us like, you know, we have no clue what to do with it. But then you say that, okay, it's a family member. Um, the pets also consider us as a family member. So for dogs, it's a family of, you know, dogs. They don't consider us as a human being. They consider us also as a dog. Even the dog's ancestors, wolves and, you know, wild dogs, they were also pack creatures. So they consider their family as a pack. And in their pack, there is a hierarchy. So in that hierarchy, wherever, like, you know, alpha, uh, male is there, he's in on the top and below that there are like several uh, layers of hierarchy. So in this kind of hierarchy, they have to adjust somewhere in the middle or at the bottom. So when uh, pet owners ask us what needs to be done to have this hierarchical combination being healthy and sound, uh, so we begin with uh, taking care of health. These pups, when they are born, naturally they have some worms in their system. So we normally 
do the deworming first and uh, we do that every month till the puppy becomes around 6 month old deworming is very important in a sense that you know if the pup is having worms uh, in their body digestive system then uh, everything goes for a toss their immunity you know is in kind of imbalance so even if we are giving them good nourishment it does not fall through so after that then they require certain vaccinations there are like two important vaccinations which are a combination vaccine uh, we call it as generally 9 in 1 and then there is a very important vaccine called anti rabies so these two vaccinations we give them at the age of 6 uh, weeks then 9 weeks and 12 weeks so once uh, till the time this vaccinations are done it is very important for us to take care of them because they are quite prone to having viral illnesses like gastro and distemper virus these these uh, diseases are very very common in our part of the world so we have to protect them from that so uh, till the time they get their complete vaccination we advise them not to give them any bath or not to take them outside on the road for walks and basically protect them then later on comes hygiene part like many dogs are furry dogs so their fur and their skin is not like us they don't require uh, bathing every day the hair grows up to particular length and then it falls off so people often wonder why there is so much hair fall why there is so much hair fall but then it's natural i mean the hair grows up to particular length it falls off so it is very important for us to you know every day keep combing and brushing the hair coat so that uh, you know uh, it all remains hygienic and healthy and giving bath you know if you give bath once a week also that is also more than sufficient for pet dogs and it is important to use their uh, dog shampoos not our human shampoos <laughs> so uh, i read that there are different acidity levels that are suited for dogs versus humans exactly uh, exactly yeah uh, our skin ph and dog skin ph are totally at a different level and uh, uh, people uh, often use like quite complicated shampoos like you know which contains zpto and this and that fancy shampoos which they use for themselves they try to use for their pets but then it does not work it creates a lot of uh, you know skin shedding and uh, hair fall so that is that is not the case we should use whatever is designed for the dog skin rather than you know using our beauty products on them yeah so uh, since we're coming out of summer i wanted to cuz i have noticed that no matter what color the dog is the skin of the dog is always white or it's very light and i've seen a lot of people shaving their dogs completely down so could you tell us for new pet parents if they may or may not know what what do you recommend there's a whole lot of misconception that if my dog is having hair fall let's get it trimmed so that you know there won't be any hair fall but unfortunately that's not uh, right uh, i mean dog skin is not supposed to be directly uh, exposed to the uv rays of the sun 
dogs uh, hair coat protects them from both heat and cold it's not that you know oh my dog is furry so he's feeling so hot in the bombay summer that's not the case uh, in fact their coat is protecting them against the heat as well so it's it's very unfortunate that you know when i see like you know totally shaved dogs um, i don't recommend it at all so dogs skin is not uh, designed uh, to be exposed to the uv rays from the sun so that is the reason they have so much uh, hair coat and fur on their body the fur is supposed to be protecting them against the uv rays against heat against cold both so it's it's very unfortunate when i see cases where you know people bring the pets you know completely trimmed and shaved that's when the skin problems begin dogs get lot of uh, fungal infections bacterial infections because of the shaving so that's not ideal at all and i imagine they can get quite badly sunburned too uh, and that is quite painful for them so how can someone manage uh, these new issues that come up typically when they're younger like tick infestations uh, so uh, when uh, we talk about their skin and coat they are also very prone to uh, different different parasites so when they walk on the road so these parasites are there everywhere like in the mud in the grass everywhere so there are three different kinds of parasites which are commonly found ticks fleas and mites so when the dogs walk on the road these small small larvae of these parasites they climb on their paws and then they climb on their body and then they bite them the suck blood and they grow eventually so these parasites are like any other insects like how we get bitten by mosquitoes and we get dengue malaria likewise dogs also get bitten by ticks and fleas and they get different different infections so uh, tick fever which is one of the example of uh, tick bite uh, causing infection that is one of the very major health problems in case of dogs so uh, there are so many different different types of applications and uh, products available nowadays uh, in the market to avoid these ticks fleas and mites but there are some simpler ones like spot ons we advise pet parents to use uh, spot on every 3 months so that the new parasites do not climb on their pets when they are walking on the road so uh, that's one of the very simple method which they can do it at home also they don't need any training or any special uh, equipment to use that so it's, it's very simple and uh, it's quite inexpensive also uh, which which is a very effective method of, uh, of parasite control okay and uh, so we've covered some things about hygiene how your dog should get vaccinated and dewormed and another aspect of owning a pet is dealing with injuries even when you have a human child uh, the general wear and tear of activity can lead to some injuries like cuts and sometimes burns on the paws so could you tell us some at home measures we can take and also at what point should we know that this cut requires medical attention from a vet pets especially uh, young ones puppies and kittens they are very very accident prone 
so they don't understand how to move around in the house how to avoid danger uh, basically they have to learn so this learning process takes some time so very often we see uh, puppies and kittens uh, getting injured uh, somehow or the other like they jump from the height uh, they cut themselves on something or the other so uh, these kind of injuries are very very common especially on their uh, tail their ears and their paws so anything from minor scratches up to major cuts so they start bleeding they start limping the bleeding doesn't stop in spite uh, of you know trying to apply pressure on that so that's when we have to know that okay we need to take him to any emergency hospital or at least uh, to our regular vet uh, you have to take the pet um, so at home in case if it is not a major bleeding or if it is a minor scratch or something like that basic first aid how we do for our cuts and burns that way clean the wound or a scratch or a cut with a normal betadine solution or savlon solution clean that wound nicely if it is bleeding uh, apply a pressure with the cotton so that the bleeding stops for some time and then after that basic antiseptic like even a home remedy like turmeric or any basic antiseptic ointment can be used and then at least consult your vet over the phone how to go about it yeah and with things like technology like we have phones it's also easier to send pictures to just double check is this something that i need to visit you a vet for or is this something that can be taken care of at home so it's definitely good to have open communication with your primary vet uh so we've yeah so we've covered things like hygiene and deworming and vaccination for dogs could you tell us with cats what are the hygiene steps that we can take they typically lick them themselves and keep themselves clean but is it recommended to wash them is it recommended to trim them and deworm them cats are like very very clean creatures they like to groom them themselves a lot uh, there's but uh, but you know like uh, dogs their their fur is also a little bit similar to kind of dogs uh, they also face the same issues like hair fall um, but uh, cats are little bit finicky about bathing so so it's it's very difficult uh, for us to uh, bathe the cat if the cats are not used to taking bath so it has to be inculcated in the uh, you know cat uh, since the beginning since the kittenhood uh, you have to make the cat used to it um there are uh, basic differences like you know uh, in the breeds like uh, our domestic short hair cat and then there are uh, breeds like persian cat which can have uh, fur like anything from medium size to you know very heavy fur sometimes uh, there can be advantages of giving birth to a heavy fur dog sometimes some uh, there are individual differences when you give part to a very furry cat you know like very often that sometimes their coat gets very tangled and matty 
so it's it's very important for us to also have an association with a good pet groomer rather than just a you know veterinarian so uh, when this uh, hygiene issue comes with the cats uh, it's it's you know better to deal with uh, pet groomer rather than just give them bath at home yeah and i definitely yes. understand that struggle having a long haired cat and dog uh is uh, quite a task it's it's very high maintenance and while my cat only bathes once every 2 or 3 months ever since we got a dog he gets covered by spit <laughs> my my dog's saliva at the end of the month cuz my dog's obsessed <laughs> with him you see my dog grooms my cat more than my cat grooms himself so we're glad that we had that we we knew in advance that he needs to be used to getting bathed otherwise cats you know with their claws they can scratch you too when you're trying to bathe them so you definitely yeah definitely should put that effort from a young age what are some common issues that uh, pet parents will inevitably face with cats and dogs and that you see most uh, prevalent the most common problem that uh, people face uh, when having a pet uh, is giving medication <laughs> uh, so giving tablets and uh, syrups and different different medicines it is eventually inevitable to give some kind of medicine at least even if it is a preventative like deworming so when we start deworming for both dogs and cats uh, at the age of one and a half month that's when people start facing problem like how to medicate that sometimes uh, we ourselves also get frustrated with some Uh, animals that they don't take the medicine basically all medications are bitter in taste so people try to uh, mix that in the pet food or you know even home cooked food uh, but then the entire uh, batch of food becomes bitter and our pets uh, completely refuse to eat that more than dogs cats are really really difficult to give medication so in order to overcome this these problems when people bring them to us at the very young stage we try to teach them how to give how to pop the pills directly in their mouth how you can you know improvise according to your pet's intelligence to refuse the medication so i also have a youtube channel so i have created a video explaining people how uh, in different different manner you can actually medicate your pet dog and cat okay that's actually a great way to visibly be able to see how people should take uh, the necessary safe methods to feed them so what i do for my dog is i just wrap his pills in uh, uh, peanut butter which is quite sticky so that works pretty well but uh, yeah again as you mentioned with cats it's it's nearly impossible for that uh, i just have to take him straight to the vet like feed him uh, i cannot <laughs> no matter how hard i try the cats are very difficult to deal with uh, in terms of medicine feeding when when we were when we were in uh, veterinary school our most difficult part of the practicals in the exam was to give a pill to a cat <laughs> so yeah i can imagine that's uh, something that takes practice for hours and hours uh so something Absolutely. yeah uh so something that uh is again essential to one of those four essential factors of 
uh, pet care, the one of those essential factors is nutrition. Now, being in India, a uh, largely vegetarian society, I have been seeing a lot of these trends of feeding uh, dogs and cats vegetarian food. And knowing as much as I know about animals, which isn't a lot, obviously, not scientifically based, I know that my dog and cat definitely shouldn't be vegetarian just by looking at their teeth those don't look like teeth made for vegetables so as a vet could you tell us a little bit about this new trend and how harmful it could be and perhaps what vegetarian families can do to accommodate for their carnivorous animals needs uh, so as uh, as we all are aware that the dogs are evolved from the uh, wolves and wild dogs uh, dogs naturally are carnivores. So uh, when we say carnivores, they're required energy to do certain amount of work and certain body functions. That energy is derived from proteins uh, rather than primary carbohydrates. So these uh, proteins, then uh, there are certain uh, nutrients called omega fatty acids, which are required for healthy skin and coat also for healthy joints and different other functions uh, in the liver plus uh, a vitamin called vitamin A. So these all three uh, nutrients, dogs uh, or for that matter any carnivore cannot get it from the vegetarian sources of uh, the diet. So vegetarian uh, sources of the protein say for example dal or maybe paneer or soya, they are partially digestible for dogs. Say for example, if I am uh, eating 100 grams of dal, uh, my body is getting around 30% uh, protein out of that, which is digestible. Say for example, 100 grams dal has 40 grams of protein. So out of that 40 gram, I am getting only 30%. So around 12 grams of protein I am getting. So for my body that is enough. But for a carnivore's body that is definitely not enough. So uh, if we, that same amount of protein if we compare to, uh, to an egg. So let's say an average egg is around uh, 70 grams. And um, uh, there's around 90% uh, protein in that. So out of that... When the dog eats a 70 gram of an egg, he is getting 63 grams of protein through that. So uh, in order to get that same amount of 63 grams of protein, the dog has to eat uh, nearly around uh, five to six times more dal as compared to the egg. So it's, it's a very simple thing to understand actually is these proteins omega fatty acids and vitamin A are the most important things in the carnivores diet their body cannot synthesize them they need to be given that and that is mostly available in non-vegetarian sources so uh, I would say you know keeping dog uh, on a vegetarian diet is not impossible but it's very very difficult yeah, and there's a good chance that those vegetarian foods that they are typically being fed are just like rice. And that definitely doesn't doesn't cover 
at all their nutritional needs and it will just lead to your dog being unhappy and being unhealthy and i doubt that any family would want that uh, would you suggest using uh, like just dry foods as a supplement because i imagine these families may have difficulty dealing with meats uh, do you think that dry foods can supplement uh, for any homemade meat related uh, supplement for any homemade meat foods that is the very very same issue that we face uh, every day with each and every uh, vegetarian household so uh, when uh, puppies are very very young puppies or for that matter kittens also till the age of 6 months their uh, stomach and digestive system is not very well developed so their body cannot uh, tolerate variety of like how we eat uh, everything different uh, for breakfast lunch dinner their body their digestive system cannot handle that until the age of 6 months the problems with gas indigestion vomiting diarrhea are very very common and plus when they are young all kinds of animals including dogs and cats they are hardly 1 kg and till the time they complete their growth they grow almost 10 times of their size so in order to support this tremendous amount of growth they need maximum to maximum amount of nourishment so in order to provide that nourishment we normally recommend a very well balanced food and uh, commercial preparations i am uh, you know very proud to say that the veterinary science especially the animal nutrition science has evolved so much that these preparations which we call them as a commercial pet food they are very very well balanced and they can take care of all these nutrition needs till the growth is completed so as far as i am concerned i always advise my patients to you know at least till the growth is completed you feed them the commercial pet foods so that uh, we can expect an optimal growth in our pets definitely and that's a great way of not just reducing the amount of effort a person would have to put preparing the food it also gives you more time to take care of other aspects of the pet uh, during those first couple of months while they're growing by giving them a uh, dry food that will be a wholesome diet for them covering because i imagine they have to have certain ingredients to be uh, able to sell as dog food right Yes, so that's a great uh, option or an alternative for people who may not be comfortable handling meat and who may want to cut down on the amount of work they need to put in for their pet, as well as providing them with the nutrition they need. Uh, so when we talk about the diet uh, as such, giving them simply one choice does not always solve the problem. Like, say for example, when when I said okay, dry commercial preparations are, and you also agree that they are very very convenient. Uh, vegetarian households they don't have to meet or they don't have to like buy meat. Uh, they just have to buy the uh, food packet and keep it. So uh, till the age of uh, six months, as I mentioned, like giving them variety is not a good option since they can get digestive problems so uh, we tend to divide them uh, age wise into different categories like 
say for example one month to three months three months to six months then six months to one year and one year onwards so uh, most of our pets like average size pets except for like very large breed dogs uh, most of them reach adulthood at the age of one year so till such time the there are different categories of food and once they become adult then there are different categories of commercial food normally like uh, at least uh, till the age of 6 months we have to stick to the um, the commercial food from 1 to 3 months it's called starter food and 3 uh, to 6 months we can switch them to uh, puppy or junior food and above 6 month we can also introduce home cooked meals uh people who are comfortable cooking uh, non vegetarian at home they can start cooking their meals but uh, in order to like give them the complete meal we have to design a balanced diet for them i personally give each and every patient of mine a feeding formula and how to make that food and how to prepare and how to serve your pet so if we start that from 6 month onwards then the pet gets both side nourishment like from the commercial food as well as from the home cooked meals so when we talk about home cooked meals like people tend to think that okay whatever i eat that is okay so let's say my pet dog is not eating commercial uh, diet so oh okay what do i do uh, shall i give them rice and curd shall i give them rice and dal shall i give them meat and rice shall i try this shall i try that so this kind of trial and error is not always required since we have to see why first of all uh, pet is refusing to eat commercial food whether he is having stomach problem whether he is having fever whether there is some other issue that is why pet is refusing to eat uh, instead of trying and number of different things we have to first find out why the pet is not eating so uh, yeah so i would say uh, nutrition is the utmost important thing in healthcare of a pet yes and uh, mentioned you mentioned uh, sub feeding formulas that you have given to your uh, uh, your patients uh, sorry your patients parents technically i doubt that the patients themselves would understand <laughs> right uh, right Uh, so uh, something that i have always wondered about if i am doing it correctly or not is my feeding schedule so for my cat we have an open feeding schedule where his bowl is always full and he eats as he wishes and for my cat of oh, sorry for my dog we feed him twice a day so would you uh, recommend that and what what would you recommend as a feeding schedule so as i mentioned we uh, divide them into four different categories so 1 to 3 months and 3 to 6 months when they are younger their body's metabolism rate is very very high so they can digest food in a matter of one or two hours so we have to see and uh, what is the age of the pet and accordingly we have to decide the frequency of that so in very young animals up to 3 months of age i normally advise like 5 to 6 times a day and then as the age increases we have to reduce the frequency and increase the quantity so 3 to 6 months we normally advise four times a day 6 to 12 months we advise normally three times a day 
and in adult uh, dogs dogs don't need to eat more than twice a day simply because their metabolism rate goes quite slow so they don't need to eat more often but uh, on the contrary in case of cats uh, cats have very short digestive system so their metabolism rate is very very high so they need to eat more often than dogs so that's the reason they uh, you know constantly go and eat and come back and sleep uh, so i think that's a great place yeah. to conclude uh, this episode the first part of pet health and nutrition and in the next episode we will cover some topics such as neutering docking different elective measures that we may uh, consider for our animals so we hope that you will join us for that episode and for this episode thank you so much dr thange for visiting us and for participating in this thank you so much for having me on this podcast it was great sharing different aspects of pet healthcare and i'll be back for the next episode thank you to our listeners for joining in on this episode There is a second part upcoming so we hope that you find this episode informative enough for you to actually make changes in your pet care and pet life and we hope that you have found some knowledge that you may not have had previously please join us in for the next episode which will cover different aspects such as elective procedures for pets 